beaming from Pacific Junction Hotel to Earth. Yo, welcome to my summer lair. I'm your host, Sammy Yunan, and I have all the way from Oakland. Is it Oakland or San Fran? You're from Oakland, right? Well, number one. Yeah. It's Frisco. Oh, you sorry. Can't say San Fran. Okay. That's not what the cool kids say. Okay. I'm but already like behind on the uh But that's not even the worst part. Oh no, what did I blow you now? Can't, you can't you can't mix Oakland and San Francisco. It's like a civil war. Okay. So like to to say you from Oakland or San Francisco, like that's like saying, Man, are you from Jerusalem or Palestine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Them <them's> fighting words. <laughs> okay. So that's a gross exaggeration, but yeah. I'm from Oakland. Okay. And people from Oakland would say, don't you ever confuse me with somebody from San Francisco. Okay. That's our little Bay Area civil rivalry there. Yeah, okay. Rivalry. So let's start again, pretend that never happened. So no, yo. no, it happened. It <laughs> happened. But now you are well-versed <laughs> yes. on Bay Area dynamics. Yeah, I've been put on uh, notice now. So this is what's so great about having the uh, NBA Finals, uh, obviously, here in, home, in Toronto because – uh, the Raptors have home court, is we get a lot of people like yourself coming in, and we get this kind of knowledge. So welcome to Toronto, uh, Marcus Thompson. You know what? This is one of my favorite places. I know y'all hear there all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's like a pretty girl getting told she's pretty. Yeah. You After know? a certain point, it's like, yeah, come on, right. man. Toronto's like You got to like, try a little harder. Like. I was like, yeah, all right. We hear it all the time. Like, yeah. So, But, you know, I, I just hope that from somebody from the Bay – Mm-hmm. It, it just sounds a little bit better. Yeah. You know, because people from California, especially from the Bay Area, mm-hmm. like we love where we live, right? We we ride hard for where we're from, mm-hmm. and we don't like saying other places are great, like because what stacks up to the Bay Area, really? Yeah. So for a Bay Area person to say, mm-hmm. man, Toronto is great. Like this is not like Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right? Yes. Or, you <laughs> know, no, like, I know. This is a gold standard. <laughs> yeah, right? We're like, yo, <laughs> yeah. we know about nice cities, and yeah. this one is nice. So hopefully that's like a hot dude telling a pretty girl that she's pretty because that rings a little bit different, right? Yeah, that's for sure. Like, yeah, she'll be playing with her hair and yeah, stuff like right? that. Yeah, right? She's like, oh, thank you, right? right? Yeah, do the little uh, shoulder touch kind yeah, of thing, <laughs> the elbow touch. Yo, that's, that's always kind of nice. You've obviously covered the Warriors for a number of years now, so... Because that's the other thing that we always hear in terms of like um, the, the the size and, and the, the noise of the crowd here for the home games, for the Raptors games. Is it comparable to when like the Warriors are in the finals and that crowd is like... Nah, like, it's packed. Like the, the Warriors, the Oracle crowd isn't like that anymore. Like this crowd is a lot like when the Warriors first started going. And, you know, maybe, maybe the Raptors fans will kind of the same thing will happen because this probably won't be the last time they're in the finals, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if Kawhi stays. And, you know, it's going to become the cool thing. It's going to become the thing that wealthy people want to be at. And eventually they will start dominating the audience, right? And eventually ticket sales will skyrocket, you know, and eventually the <laughs> less rabbit fans will be, you know, in premium seats, right? Mm-hmm. That's just... Maybe that's just the nature of big business sports, right? Yeah. But this, the 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 crowd that we heard in Game One mm-hmm. was like nostalgic for us, yes. right? It was like, yo, I remember this. Like, it. The only other place, like Oracle at its peak, a few years ago, uh, maybe even we believe, like the 2007 season when mm-hmm. they beat Dallas, like that was like the all time pinnacle, and it, it felt a little bit like that. The other one is Oklahoma City 2016. Like, yeah, that that was nuts. That was insane. But, you know, people keep saying this and it's really true. 
Cleveland got pretty loud. A lot of it felt like it was piped in noise, but it was still like loud. But Cleveland and Oklahoma City, like you could feel the hatred. Like mm-hmm. it was venomous. It was like mob yes. anger. This is like fun, right? This yeah. is like you know it, it. It's 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 very it's fun to watch. Even uh, I don't know if anybody saw this, but uh, online one of the uh, players' family members. She she's a uh, private, so I don't want to say because it's not like public. But she was saying, man, it feels good to talk trash and not feel like your life is in danger, yes. right? Like so, you know, there's just a there's a, <laughs> is, there's a communal aspect to the to the to the fervor here that mm-hmm. is is a, is a bit refreshing actually, especially you know because people just absolutely hate the Warriors and they hate everything Warriors and. There's fighting in the crowd, and you just know it. It always feels like it's one incident from something happening. Yeah, it's on here, the edge. It doesn't feel like that here. It feels like, I mean, there's a healthy mm-hmm. dislike, but it feels like there's a proper perspective with this crowd. Like, yeah. they're, they're more, you know what it is? You know what it is? Raptors fans enjoy their team more than they hate the Warriors. There you go. That's a good you know way to play. Yeah. Like, everybody else, like Oklahoma City, they just hated the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, they hated the Warriors. Raptors fans are just lit because this is like what a time to be alive. Like mm-hmm. you can you can feel that difference in the vibe. This is an extreme example, but I went to the Cleveland game the first time that LeBron, after he left, after the decision, and went to you, Miami. So you went when he came back to Cleveland? The first game, yeah. And that like it, I heard that, it was like the Roman Coliseum, like oh, where it was throwing yeah. lions, there, there people was, to lions. There was um, there's even like photos of his face in the urinal so that people could pee on it. Like it it got like that was hardcore. That's the most hardcore NBA environment I've ever been in. And that's what you're talking about. We're like there's it's just dangerous. There's yeah. fights breaking out in the stands and like. But see, that's the beauty. That's what's that's the 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 perk of being in a great city. Because, all right, your team lose, all right, you get the foe you don't like. In the end, you're about to leave and go, like, live life in this great city. Like, <laughs> yes. who can stay mad, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> You'll say, like, all right, yeah, we hate the Warriors. Let's go party. Yeah. <laughs> it comes out on top. You go to some places, like, it's like, all right, we hate the Warriors. Yeah. And now we're just going to stew in that all night, right? Yeah. <laughs> we got to burn a jersey now or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, that's the beauty of when you're when you live in a great city. That's just my psychoanalysis of city people. Right. No, that's fair. And But I want to focus on Toronto because you also made a very important announcement and that you said when you come to Toronto, you want to try poutine. Yes. You said it on your uh, podcast, Plus Minus. So have you had poutine yet? And have So look, when we were here for All-Star, when was All-Star here? 2017? Yeah. Uh, I came out here for that. 2016. Uh, might have been 2016. Okay, yeah. Times are going, man. Yes, might have been 2016. It was definitely 2016 because the Warriors hadn't lost the championship yet. But I was writing Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry, and I came out here in large part to, like, go out to his middle school and just do the Canadian research on Mm -hmm. that period of his life. And, you know, at every All-Star, the Sunday is the day for, like, these brunch networking things. Like, everybody has one. And I went to... Bill Duffy, who's an agent, his agency put on like a brunch. Mm-hmm. And man, let me tell you, it wasn't even like a brunch. It was kind of afternoon, but it was so good. Like, they, you know how they just go around handing out stuff? It's like people walking around with food. And it was like in this carton, mm-hmm. and it was like fries and a bunch of stuff. And we had no idea what it was. And me and uh, Michael Lee from the Washington Post and 
Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe. Mm-hmm. We're just chilling. <laughs> and we were eating the stuff. It's like, yo, this is so good. Yeah. Right? And like Welcome every to time, the party. Every time they came by, we <laughs> yeah. was like, yo, let me get some more of that stuff. It was like just in this old regular old white carton. Yeah. And we were like, yo, let me get some more of that. We didn't know what it was. And then you found out later it was poutine. So I, I had been waiting to get some. I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. I was very disappointed in the poutine I had. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my first poutine experience yeah. was clearly like some high end stuff. Yeah. Because it was like fancy meat in there. Like it oh, was yeah, like, yeah. it was like really good. Mm-hmm. I had some from, uh, we, we walked to the, uh, to the OVO shop, me and another reporter. Oh. And it was like some street food along the way, like some, uh, oh, I'm what sorry, you man. call them things? Uh, the hot dog cards or like? No, it's like uh, food trucks. Oh, yeah. So we stopped. We stopped there, and I had some poutine from there. It was no man. It was not good. I'll give you a couple of places you can try, and then you can get back on the truck. Yeah, I believe the. I believe the. I don't need just poutine. I need <laughs> the best poutine. No, no, I'll get you some places. That that yeah. first experience, like it's done now. I can't. Yeah. I can't have others. Well, yeah. So welcome to Toronto. Um, so yeah. So the new book uh, you already mentioned the previous book, which was on Steph Curry. The new book is on KD, and it's called Kevin Durant's Relentless Pursuit to Be the Greatest. So in the book, in the acknowledgments for the book, you said writing a book about someone's life has a way of forcing you to reflect on your own life. So what were some of the takeaways or insights uh, that you collected from that reflection, just writing about KD? Because that would give us a little bit of a better sense of who you are other than you have high-end poutine in your life. I know. Well, so there was a, a noted there was a noted connection in this book as compared to Steph Curry's life, right? Like writing about Steph Curry's life uh, – made me cry for different reasons <laughs> <laughs> like like for one of the things uh um and this is probably far too personal i know people don't care but whatever you ask so i'm answering it that's fair. Uh, uh steph curry's mom the presence of his mom in his life and what she meant like it made me think about my mom and we've had like so many issues over the years and you mm-hmm. know there was a stretch where she wasn't part of my life you know as a child so you know maybe like dang man like this is what I didn't have. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So yeah. that, that was that was really hardcore for me. Because uh, mom's a hard one, too. Yeah, yeah. No right? question. Like, no uh, question. Because, um, I mean, in the KD book, you kind of touch upon the black community and dads and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? I so, was the opposite. I, right. had, I had my dad, but my mother was like, you know, had a rough time. So that was hard for me, right? Uh, but, you know, th- there, were, there were some connections there. I've always appreciated Steph's faith. Mm-hmm. I've always appreciated how he was genuine about it and how like he is just diligent about trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, it's impressive. Like I, I always found that impressive. There were there. Were, we have a lot of similar traits. So when I'm reading uh, when I'm writing about Steph, like just his mindset, how he thinks, uh, it just it, I, I just felt I just felt a lot of like as an older as the oldest of the of the siblings mm-hmm. and as the one who's uh, always like done well and people expect so much of you and you can't really make a mistake. Like all that stuff I kind of got, but with KD, like just the struggle, it was so, I felt it. Like I really felt it. I know what it's like to grow up in poverty. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to come from nothing to live around violence and drugs. So writing his story, it really like made me think about him differently because, you know, in the States, you know, we, um, we kind of understand that a lot of professional athletes, especially the ones who are African-American, come from, like, underprivileged backgrounds, right? Mm-hmm. And it just it, it just becomes trite. 
Yeah. After a while, I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, you're from the hood. Got it. Yeah, because it's the, really the only kind of one way out. Yeah, right. right? So <laughs> you like, rap or ball your way out. All, or like, yes, exactly. Right? Like, so you you know it, and it just, it just has become to the point where it's so commonplace as to be ordinary. And But learning the specifics of his story made it much more real and less trite. Mm-hmm. I remember I had to go to the locker room one time and be like, dude, I don't even know how you're here. Yeah. Like how, how, like you know, like you should not be here <laughs> mm-hmm. because I know people who've been through things that are similar than what Durant went through, and they are not successful business people. They're mm-hmm. not, they're not, they're not human beings that are pleasant to be around, right? Mm-hmm. They aren't people who can, you know, work a room or you know, yeah. like the circumstances made them hard almost. Yeah, it's like, like it, when you it come out of prison, bitterness, right? Like, like I know poverty is a prison, so yeah, it's like yeah, when you no come question. out of it, right? You, they're scars from that. You don't just get to do it, and mm-hmm. not, and there's no like setback from it, right? Yeah. Like you're gonna have some kind of lingering scars because it's all trauma, mm-hmm. and people react to trauma. Like you just you just don't get to have trauma, and nothing happens, right? <laughs> you can't so, just walk that off. You, know you can't walk off poverty. You cannot walk it off. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of that, like just the, the one of the things that I really wanted to write about in the book was just like the fact that he led his father back in his life. I thought that part was crazy. And like just people, I just know, I I literally know people, like not one, two, mm-hmm. but a bunch of people whose father weren't in their life and they refused to talk to their father. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, I don't have a dad or I hate my dad. Or there's this like really contentious, bad relationship because abandonment is a trauma that you just don't come back from sometimes, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Like, but it's also like it's part of the other kind of the trite thing, which is that a lot of players who are kind of groomed from early on were like, you guys, you're going to go to the NBA, you're going to be something, you're going to be significant. All those kind of hanger ons kind of showing up. And sometimes we've heard a lot of stories where people get leached yes, really yes, early on. No question. And so the idea of letting his dad back in and knowing that he was at this level and going to be going to the NBA and make all I think it was I think the what helped him was that it was a little bit before that. Yeah. Like it was like in middle school. It was before you knew. KD was a phenom. I think if it was later and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I'm a star now, you mm-hmm. want to come back? It would probably been all bad. Mm-hmm. But there was just a part of Kevin that valued the presence of his father more than the bitterness from his father leaving. And it's a significant level of maturity and forgiveness and humility to say, yeah, if, as long as you're serious – yeah, we can have a relationship. And now they have a great relationship, right? But I was just like, yo, I, I, like people just don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it just <laughs> it just doesn't happen. I know. It, I just really, once I found that out, I really wanted to dig into that. Because that's the, that's kind of the cliche trite thing you're talking about, where like a black kid and he gets abandoned by his dad. We've heard that story. And yes. that unfortunately is too true and still happening. But then the idea of the, the dad coming back and then the son are like, all right, let's do this. Let's figure out how to make this work. That's refreshing, right? No question. I also kind of, for me, I feel like KD is a a representation of so many things. Uh, And I I felt like it was worth it to use these opportunities, use his life to tell like bigger social stories, right? Like, I mean, people forget about Lynn Bias, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Lynn Bias is from the same hood. And... Who's so close to being I so know, great. Right? You know what I'm saying? And and if you don't know the story of Lynn Bias, he was like a phenom. He was at Maryland. He was drafted number two overall by the Celtics. He was the next big star. Mm-hmm. I think it was the night after his draft or the night of the draft. 
he tries cocaine for the first time and he dies tragically. Never, never gets to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But he was next. He was the chosen one. And so it allowed me an opportunity to talk about him, talk about his neighborhood and why he meant so much, talk about how PG County used to be like this thriving black community and then the crack epidemic killed it, which this is like a representation of a model that happened all across America. So if you tell one, you can mm-hmm. tell them all, right? So just what KD represented to that area is symbolic of what many of these players represent to their area, right? It's who they are. They're the hope. They're the, they're the, the silver lining in what is often like really rough area. So I thought it was important to kind of dig into that and, and tell the larger story of the hood, you know, nationally mm-hmm. while telling Kevin Durant's story. But that's, I think, one of the fascinating things of, in your book is that KD does represent all these contradictions where it's like like he's really antagonistic, but then really kind. Yes. Like we just talked about his dad and we know the antagonistic right. KD. And I'm like, I think he's even called you out a couple of times, oh, yeah. right? Like as as media and as journalism. Oh, yeah. So, and we'd seen him on the, he's getting a lot of technicals now on, you know what I mean? Those kind of things. So it's like, KD almost represents our age in a sense, right? Because we live in an age oh, now. Oh, he's a total millennial, right? <laughs> like, but he, he represents all the contradictions we yeah. live with, right? No question. We hate Facebook because of the whole Trump and Russia and thing, whatever. But then we like it because we can talk to grandma and family members. But is it, I, I would say what KD points out to me is that it's less a contradiction and more proof that we're all really a dichotomy anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, or we're all, we all aren't, we aren't singular individuals or singular entities, right? We, we can be, we can be multiple things, right? It, here, this is one of the things that I thought about because like, so if you're Kevin Durant, right? And you've made it through poverty, you've mm-hmm. made it through a broken home. You've made it through instability. You spent probably the most formative years of your life without a father. Mm -hmm. He's dealt with crazy death, right? Just like gut-wrenching death. And he makes it through all that, right, to become what he is today. And then people tell him you're soft or you're weak, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're a quitter or you're a coward, right? So the interesting part for me was, was processing this, was thinking like, wow, you know, you on your job or me or my job, we get to just do our job and then we get to live our life outside of our job. Mm-hmm. And usually who we are outside of our job is what determines what kind of person we are. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're a good person, nobody's saying you're a good person because you did your job well. You're a good person if you take care of your kids, if you love your family, if you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you, you do good things. Right. The professional athletes and celebrities in general, they basically get judged for for who they are by how they do their job. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird universe they're in. And the truth is, like, no, it, how Kevin Durant does his job is not a definition of who he is. But he has to live with that. So he makes one move, and suddenly all that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? And now he's just soft. And, and he's like, I'm <laughs> soft? Are you serious? Yeah. If I dropped you in my life, you wouldn't make it, right? And he's like, I'm soft? Oh, I'm a coward. Do you know how many things <laughs> that I've had to have the courage to stand up to? Right. So it's it's he forces you. This is what I love about KD, even though like he don't do things like 
a PR person would suggest. Mm-hmm. He just forces you to deal with him as a human. Like you do not just to get to refer to him as a basketball player. You're going to come in contact with the man, mm-hmm. right? And you may not like it and you may love it, but you're not going to just ignore his humanity, right? And he's just like adamant about that. And yeah. people are telling him to stay off Twitter. He's like, look, I can... Why do I not have? Why do I not get to talk to people if I want to talk to them? Mm-hmm. Is it, am I too rich to be a person? <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. if you say something to me, do I have to relinquish my right to fire back at you? Yeah. Like he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And, you, and then, then at some he point, he still has feelings. Yeah. At some he, point, we got to reckon with that. Like, why are we telling this dude to shut up and not feel? Mm-hmm. Except for when we want you to do good in the community, then at that point you can feel. The NBA cares. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> It just He just forces you to recognize that he's a whole human. Yeah. I mean, I find that people that who get the, like Kanye West or other people like that who get the polarizing tag, they get the tag because it's like they don't fit in with what we've decided. They yes, don't fit no in with question. the consensus of the narrative, right? So then it's like, oh, then he's polarizing. That's how you kind of dismiss them. Yeah, right. We, we definitely have an but idea of how people should behave. But it's our narrative profession. that's wrong. Is, Absolutely. Right? And we never examine the narrative or why we came up with like... This like you have in the book, you highlight the uh, the Nike campaign where Katie's not nice. Yeah. Right. And um, that was the whole point where like Katie scores 30 points or 35 points, whatever game is not nice and things like that. And it, it's playing into that. Right. Where like everyone's just like Katie's nice. Katie's soft. And right. But then when you actually look what he does on the court, it's not nice at all. No question. Right. Like we we do this all the time. What you're saying. Right. We say a dude is classy because he shakes hands after the game. Mm-hmm. Like, he might be cheating on his wife, not raising his kids, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> Ducking taxes, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, staying out all night drinking, disrespecting women. But, man, if he shook hands after the game, man, that dude is classy. That's a good if enough for me. he gives a good interview, right? Like, yeah. we just like, look, man, if you do this for a living, here's how we expect you to behave. And as long as you do that, you're good with us. Mm-hmm. You step outside of these boundaries we have set for you, then we got a problem with it, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, that's, just how, that's us, though. Yeah, and I don't know where that narrative comes from. Like, at you as somebody who works in journalism, your job is to cover the basketball team and the basketball players. Are, are you contributing to that narrative, or where does that narrative start to form? Oh, I, no question contributes to the narrative. No question. Even in my head, how I write, you know, what I choose to write about, is subjective right mm-hmm. as much as we try to be objective i don't even know if objective is possible i think you just got to try to be fair right but can you be fair though i mean as fair goes right as we understand fair right like if i'm going to say something negative about you fair is giving you a chance to say you know to to talk about it right mm-hmm. so i feel like when i'm reading this and i'm thinking because i remember thinking like yo if the worst thing we could say about you Kevin Durant is that you're sensitive like that is actually a victory Mm -hmm. because you should be way more Mm -hmm. (laughs) right Mm -hmm. it should be like way more wrong with you than the fact that you decide to feel Mm -hmm. all right and be vulnerable and be transparent like these are these are actually good things for humans to be Mm -hmm. we're just saying because you're Kevin Durant you shouldn't be that right so but no question like once I like with this new information or with this understanding about him it it has already changed how I write or think how I even think about him. Right? We see he's doing this. It's like first, it's like why is he doing that? Why is he debating with seventeen year olds on social media? Mm-hmm. Right? And now it's like, oh, I kind of know why you do it. Or now I put this in a different perspective because I know we absolutely dig into the narrative. But also, I just feel like consumerism comes with entitlement. Right? If you paying for something, you just feel like 
you're entitled to dictate how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like when I buy the TV, this remote better press. Yes. When I press the up volume, the volume better go up. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but I, I, I bought this. So yeah. I feel like we, we, we pay and we invest into sports. So we feel like we can dictate a lot about sports. That's, that's people and media. Yeah. Cause I mean, we've seen even hometown crowd boo their own team. Oh yeah. Right. Like that happens. And like, we just saw this literally just happened to Philly, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm thinking <laughs> of. Right. Like, yeah. Right. And it's like, you're not doing well. You should be like rebounding. You should be doing this. You should be winning basically. And they got, and nobody care about you being tired or having an off game. Like, nah, I yeah. pay for the, like we went through this with, uh, this was a, this was actually a conversation in the Warriors locker room. Remember not last year, it had to be a couple years ago. Maybe it was last year when they were arresting all these people mm-hmm. and then it became an issue. They arrested four all-stars in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And all these people were saying, I paid money to see you guys. Load management and all Yeah, that. right. I paid money to see you guys. We came, we drove all the way from here to see Steph Curry. He's mm-hmm. not playing. And then, you know, the league steps in. It's like, you can't rest, guys. That's how you get, like, load management. But in the words locker room, like, if you're talking to the players, they're like, you know, don't you get days off? <laughs> right? Don't you get the call in sick? Mm-hmm. Don't you, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't you get PTO? Yeah. Right. So like, it's like, but for, uh, but for the players, we're like, nah, dude, you better be out. If I'm there, you better be there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and that's the entitlement. But if you're Andre Godala, you're 37 years old or, you know, you're like, and you need time off. Do you, do you jeopardize that? Do you not get your rest because somebody drove three hours to see you play? While <laughs> balancing the, the, the fact that like you guys are expected to win. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you, you got to get your rest in, you got to win and you got to make shots basically. And you have to win a championship. So you, you know, you need to win every game in the regular season and then every game in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And you need to do this without being concerned for your health. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy phenomenon at the same time. Like, if you've ever consumed something, you get it. Like, man, I pay for this. Mm-hmm. And with that with that comes an explanation, right? Yeah. Why were you guys down by 20 in the fourth? Like, you guys like, suck. Like, man, if I drove three hours to see Steph Curry and that dude didn't play, I might be hot too. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is. But I understand Steph Curry. Like, dude, I, if I don't feel good, I'm mm-hmm. taking a day off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why he doesn't get that right. Yeah. Maybe because he makes so much money. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's the expectations of like the fact that you're supposed to kind of uh, I think with Jordan, especially in Kobe, they kind of set that standard of excellence where it's like this is what you got to do. And I mean, the subtitle of this book is uh, Kevin Durant's Relentless Pursuit to be the Greatest. Right. And if you want to be the greatest, you got to get to that level. And those guys didn't do load management. They played the 82 games or as much of them as they could yeah. and rolled into the playoffs and into the finals. I mean that's that was old school though, right? Yeah. yeah. And you, they would argue the argument now is like that wasn't good for their health. And so here's we talking about right. We talk about these levels of how we how we classify people, right? How, what they do on their job for them, mm-hmm. what they do on their job determines who they are. And for us, our job is just a job, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> We're yeah. determined by how we live our life, right? Mm-hmm. So, we do nine to five. Yeah, and right. Five or one. Once five is out, like yeah. <laughs> so. When we when we ask you, like, yo, man, at your funeral in a hundred years, mm-hmm. when we, when they stand up and they do your eulogy, and they're supposed to talk for two minutes and they talk for five, mm-hmm. right? And they <laughs> have to be told to sit down. 
they're, they won't be talking about what you did at work. Mm-hmm. Or if they're talking about what you did at work, it's not the work you did, it's the relationship they had with you at work. But they're going to be talking about all the times you were there for them, the funny time, right? They're going to be talking about you, the person. Mm-hmm. They're going to be saying, man, you should have seen his PowerPoints, right? Like, he, <laughs> he was, was so good at firing. Yeah, right? Like, no, that's what we say. You get, to, you get to be determined for how you live your life. Mm-hmm. And your job is like a window in that life that, Kind of you could be separate from. They don't get to do that. So, for example, we praise old school players, right, for always playing, always putting in the extra work. Mm -hmm. Do we ding them for not being good dads? No. (laughs) (laughs) Do we ding them for not being good husbands? Like. But Jordan's time, obviously, you can tell. I mean, there's stories about Jordan and his wife, right? Yeah. But, I mean, you can tell, like, just by the fact of how good he was, like, you're in the gym, so you're sacrificing Man, something. was at the casino before the game for five hours, and then he's going to... Yeah, I know. Or on the golf course for 12 right? hours. That's true, too. But you know what I mean? Like, to get to that level and to maintain that, like, you're putting time in, like, so you're sacrificing something. No question. So, I, I just, like, what does that say about us that we would say, yeah, man, forget your kids and your wife. <laughs> you better do this job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but is it also a thing where, like, you only get this window because you get whatever, five years, seven years in the NBA? So does your child. <laughs> they, <laughs> yes. They only I'm get that de- window. <laughs> I know. I'm not. They, they're I'm, only be 13 one time. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not defending deadbeat dads. You know what I mean? But you know what I'm saying? Like, like if your knees don't go or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah No question. You, you get got a small like, window to make this money. No yeah. question. I got And it. you can have generational wealth, too. But, but if you're them, right? I know. If you're them. And that contract is guaranteed, whether you pay eighty two or seventy five. <laughs> who doesn't pay? Who doesn't play seventy five? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you just hope that you can show up to a birthday party or two, eh? Yeah, so you play. Yeah, you play to seventy five. You 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 maximize. You, you, the point becomes efficiency, right? And that's how you're able to play your games. Mm-hmm. And like Steph Curry, right? He gets up before his daughter so he can work out, so he can take them to school every day. You know what I'm saying? So, in other words, you got to do the work. Mm-hmm. You just have to. If he wants to be an elite basketball player, he's got to do the work. But he also wants to be a good father, right? So, if he's burning that candle on one end, when does when does it stop on the back end? And on the back end, man, you better not miss a game because <laughs> I drove three hours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what I'm like, it's a it's a crazy it's a crazy bind. I I just thought it, it just reminded me right about KD like. I, I was there in Oklahoma City, his first game back, and you would have thought there was a shootout, <laughs> and he put his daughter in front of him to shield him mm-hmm. for the bullets. Like, I mean, like yeah. the way they talked about him and the way they, like, reviled him, and he's like, I gave y'all nine years mm-hmm. working hard, doing everything. I was a member of the community. I poured into the community. Like donated put, after the yeah, hurt tornado. Yeah, donated a million dollars. They right. put him in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, and then he decides to change jobs, mm-hmm. and he became the most, the worst person in the world. And like, there's no perspective there, <laughs> right? And mm-hmm. it was just like, and we were in there, we we're like, yo, I've never like. It probably felt like how you felt in Cleveland mm-hmm. when LeBron came back. It's like, yo, no, no, this ain't just jeering. Yeah, this is hate. Yeah, like this is man. <laughs> if it, if I wouldn't go to jail, I yeah. would run out this crowd and fire on you, right? Yeah, <laughs> like I, that was crazy. I know, it, I know it hurt him too because like he gave his all to them, and then he just made a job change. And this is the thing too. It's like you, like you said, there's no perspective. We're like. It clearly, for whatever number of reasons, KD felt that Oklahoma City was not working, and he went to the Warriors. And 
then it just generates all this like hate and all this like pers- like. Can black- it just be he's all right? Just say then he's not that good of a basketball player, mm-hmm. or he's not that strong of a competitor. Or it makes the league better because now your team's got to get better. The Rockets have been trying to yeah. get past the Warriors, and it's like what they're how, doing. How do you do? Like how could we, as a as a sports fan base, what's a way you can disapprove of Kevin Durant's move without disapproving of the person? Like, how do you do that? How, I don't do, know. how do you say, I mean, you're a good dude, right? Mm-hmm. You've done great. Like, clearly, you got a great heart, right? But man, that was a weak move you did. Like how? Like how? Does, yeah. How? And how do you put that on a sign? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you just have like the just burn the jersey out front and then you're done. Like, yeah, like how? Do, like how does that work? Right? Yeah. Like, but like maybe you maybe you don't call them okay. Like they had the t-shirts that said coward, mm-hmm. and it was spelled with the K, mm-hmm. and so the highlight it was it was K and D, so it was like basically calling KD a coward. The cupcakes thing. Yeah. Then you had you the write about that the cupcakes. I think the cupcakes is cool. So explain it's the like cupcake. an inside joke. Yeah, right? explain the cupcakes thing just as a quick so little. So cupcake uh, to to their team uh, on the Thunder, it just meant soft. Like Kendrick Perkins, who's like, a tough, yeah, who's <laughs> as t- about as tough as they come. Yeah, would call anything that was soft, like another player, another team. He would call them cupcake. Mm-hmm. So then, like the the Thunder team, like Westbrook, Durant, they picked that up and they were just cupcake would be. Saying someone is soft. So that was like an inside joke. I get it. It's calling him soft. And I just don't know how you call somebody soft who survived what he survived. But mm-hmm. it almost felt like a sportsy thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. But like coward and just the character assassination was yeah. just, it was just, it was, it just felt like a lot. And it is. I didn't know it at the time, but when I write the book, it, it just really felt like a lot then. But it's like when you when you start a relationship, everything's amazing and the person's funny and you love all these things about them and they make you laugh. Yeah, but you can't be the one like five years later when a relationship don't work. Like I hated you the whole time. Yeah, and, and then you burn it to the ground, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, don't you know, burn it pictures. I'll never <laughs> talk to your mom again. Yeah, like man, you'd be like, we just, we had some good times and I don't like you no more like that. But the, and that's what you're talking about. It's like I don't know how you. We don't know how to break up, like in relationships, anyways. Like we're terrible yeah, at right. it. We're trying to spare people's feelings, but at the same time, we're like, we want to get out. I want to get my jacket. There, yeah, I'm there, out. That's probably less fun, though, right? Just to be all civil. Amicable breakups are not as fun. Well, you don't get any feedback. <laughs> how are you supposed to be a better lover? Like, how are you supposed to be better for the next relationship if you don't get any feedback? Yeah, that's a good point. Go to counseling. Okay, there you go. <laughs> we're just solving all kinds of problems. I know, right? So, yeah, the the book is uh, KD, uh, Kevin Durant's Relentless Pursuit to be the Greatest. I just want to wrap up and just talk about the fact that you write for The Athletic. Yeah. And yep. Uh, The Athletic, actually, the it launched in Chicago, and Toronto was the second city that they added uh, after that. Uh, for people that don't know or are not familiar, what is The Athletic, and how is it kind of different from, like, other uh, sports media or outlets? So The Athletic is a glorified sports page <laughs> emphasis on glorified right <laughs> yes. it is glorious mm-hmm. it is it is in essence like the end game for all media mm-hmm. because just newspapers they just i don't i don't know if it's if that's also true in in canada but in the states the newspaper industry is just it's done right mm-hmm. it's it's a downward spiral that's been happening 
for a long time and especially in earnest with the tech boom with the tech crash in 0708 right so basically the ad revenue just don't line up anymore mm-hmm. right and so the, the sports and the readership too yeah the sports content was always designed as a way to draw advertisers right like you, you're not paying for the content but the the content draws eyes and the eyes draws the revenue for advertising that's been the model for years it made a bunch of money but that model is not there anymore eyes just aren't as valuable right <laughs> so and then to, to to compound it when people didn't understand what the internet was and what it would become a lot of newspapers just put put it on the web for free right as a whatever let's just give it to these mm-hmm. weirdos who like the internet <laughs> right so Obviously, this would be a fad. It, yep, it became free on the internet, and people started reading on the internet, which definitely undermines their their need to pay for it to subscribe to the newspaper, and so people stopped doing it. So it's just been a down downward spiral. So the athletics' whole core mission is to basically, oh, by the way, like with the loss of revenue, has become has led to a loss of quality. Because you basically you just don't have the money. You can't pay the best reporters. You can't cover things like you used to, you know. Uh, or you resort to clickbait, right? Yeah, like yeah the just, easiest thing just to get the you're trying to get more eyes, yeah. right? When I started, when I started at the newspaper, we had a high school sports staff that was 15 deep. Wow. Right now, most papers don't even cover high school sports, mm-hmm. right? And this is where the kids are coming from. Yeah, though. absolutely, right? So and that's that's one thing parents will pay for. People will pay for like people will pay for their kids, right? Mm-hmm. So. It's just there's just no money to pay the reporters to go and do it. So what we've tried to do at The Athletic is to create is to bring back the dope sports section. Right. The one that was full, the one that covered things thoroughly and mm-hmm. pay paid the writers who do great work to like do great work. The difference is we're not using the content as a as a as bait mm-hmm. to draw advertisers. We're just basically selling it straight director to the people who want it. Right. So that's what we're calling. We call a subscription model. It's a lot like um, uh, Netflix mm-hmm. in that sense. You know, hardcore fans who really who want this information so much they'll pay for it. Just go directly to them. Cut out the middleman. So mm-hmm. no ads, mm-hmm. right? No, no, you ain't on the site. Then some like Home Depot thing <laughs> pop up and block the whole screen. Like yes. we don't do no ads. No. No like of uh, videos interrupting your content, mm-hmm. trying to keep you on the page for longer because that's more like uh, uh, longer eyes and more data for advertisers, mm-hmm. right? So we don't do any of those gimmicks. We just like, look, man, we got great writers. Mm-hmm. You might want to pay for this. And many people are. So we started in Chicago, very small. And then Toronto is where it got real, you know, because we hired some of the best hockey writers uh, and – it was cranking, right? Mm-hmm. It was big. And then we went to, the, I think it was Cleveland next, and then Detroit, and then the Bay Area. And, you know, because, you know, Toronto and Bay Area mm-hmm. clearly have this connection. By the way, did you see E-40 and Drake, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> with their yeah. fake beef photo? <laughs> yeah. So Toronto, like, got it, made it real. And that's how they were willing to invest more money. And then that's where we set up the Bay Area. And once Barry hit it, like it took off, right? So mm-hmm. that's what we do. We just try to bring back the, the glorious days of the sports section without all of the ads and all the and all online, all mm-hmm. digital. Uh, we have a beautiful app, and 
it's i think it's it's some it's some great work like people it, it's real it's doing way better than what i ever thought it was i was at the newspaper for 18 years mm-hmm. and when they wait when they offered me the job i was scared to leave because i've been a newspaper so long you just didn't know if it was gonna work mm-hmm. i was like man yeah. just give me if it works if it lasts for three years like i at least can have enough money mm-hmm. to i'll be all right when i'm looking for a new job Man, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Just to give us a snapshot, like what is your uh, role then? So you cover the Warriors uh, for the Athletic? I cover everything. I'm what we call a columnist, right? So I basically just hop back and forth to the most important events. Mm-hmm. So I, it ends up during football season is Raiders is 49ers. During baseball season is mostly the Giants, even though I'm an Oakland dude, A's dude, right? So, uh, Basketball season, obviously, Warriors is the biggest story, mm-hmm. like, have been for five years. So, I just do that. Like, I'm back and forth all over all over the Bay Area. I covered the Warriors for 10 years as the beat writer before I got promoted at the newspaper. So, now, I mean, I end up writing mostly Warriors just because that's the big story all the time. But during football season, that's the only other thing that kind of dominates is, is football. King football, we call it. Mm-hmm. So I'll get you out on this. I'll close up with this. Uh, so it's uh, Raptors and Warriors right now. Two big questions. Are you expecting KD to come back now that you've written this book and you know who KD is and you got a better sense of who he is? I expect him to come back. And I, I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back. He's already working out. I think he'll be back. I know KD is a nut job for basketball. Like mm-hmm. He's a literal addict. <laughs> yeah. So dudes like that just don't sit out. Yeah, like he he's aware of who yeah. his position is and how to be great. And you can't sit out of finals and still be considered great. I don't I don't think he can sit out of a preseason game, right? <laughs> like that dude, he just there's something about coming to the gym, getting shots up, the, mm-hmm. the strategy of it. It's how it saved his life literally. Like mm-hmm. it kept him out of trouble, it kept him out of gangs, it kept him off the streets. It gave him a passion that he could invest in. It gave him confidence. It gave him friends. It gave him a pass in the hood because once they knew he was a baller, like, they left him alone. Like, like basketball saved his life. Mm-hmm. So it means it's not like uh, it's not like his nine to five in that <laughs> sense. It's like, man, this, is, this matters a lot to me. It's so, his oxygen. Yeah, right? So – I don't see I don't see a dude like that saying, "Man, I could play, but I'm not." Mm-hmm. Right, so I think it's just a matter of him getting getting together. Probably he'll start where you know it's he won't play game two. Steve Kerr said that it's practically impossible because they just he's got to get some practices in, and they they probably they get one tomorrow. And I'm thinking game three is probably the first chance where we'll be like, all right, is he coming? Is he coming? Mm-hmm. It's possible. Depends on how many practices. And it's a home have. game, too. It's a home game, yeah. So that's what you want, that emotional lift. Which brings me to my last question, which is, this is the last run or the last couple of games we'll see at Oracle. That's correct? That's correct. Yeah. Three games so left, max. does winning a championship this year, because it's the last year for Oracle and where it is and where it's situated before it moves to the Chase, it's Chase Center, I think yeah. it's called. Yeah. Does that make a difference? to uh oakland to does it make a difference to that community to everything? i mean it's the least they can do <laughs> you know what i'm saying they leave because in our this city goes full circle to what you're yeah, saying they like, leave in our city like i know chase is like one of the reasons why they're going to the chase this center. is like if the raptors left and went to america yeah 
And y'all like, dang, dude, like, you know what I'm saying? They were like, all right, but now we're, what if they blow up and become like this big entity? Mm -hmm. And it's like, but look, man, we can go set up in this city and make three times the money. Right. Right. Y'all be like, yo, like we, you were nothing (laughs) and we were here. Like we built y'all. Yeah. That's what we're like in Oakland, right? It's like. Man, what about all them years yeah. where y'all were trash and we supported yeah. you, right? Like, yeah. that's what the city is like. So it's been one of those things that has been, like, people have been angry about. Some people are not, but a lot of people are mm-hmm. because they're they're only going 15 minutes away, right? It's not that far. But it's, a, but it's a world away. Yeah. Right? This is, like, elite San Francisco. This is expensive. Many people will not be able to go. It's going to be high end, right? They've made it clear who they don't want in a sense. Basically, yeah. I mean, they just don't. They want people with a lot of money. That's mm-hmm. who, that's who. It ain't about who they don't want. It's who they want, which automatically excludes other people, <laughs> yes. right? So they want people with a bunch of money to spend and willing to spend it. But, but it goes back to what we were saying about yeah. sports too, because like they got to keep this team together somehow. Yeah. Right. They yeah. got to keep winning. Paying three hundred million dollars. Yeah. KD's contract is up, whether he stays or goes. Like if they want to pick, uh, Draymond Green's contract is looking at. Clay like, Thompson. Right. So Steph Curry's already getting two hundred. So yeah. you do you want to keep them and keep winning or? Yeah. Like, so that that's, I think people in the Bay are resigned. Like it's about to start being emotional. Mm-hmm. So. Like the least you can do before the divorce is final <laughs> is like one last, you know, sex capade, right? Yes. Like, give yeah. me some, give me some before you go, right? You know what I'm saying? So, just one time for the old time. You know what I'm saying? One time yeah. for, old, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. win a championship, let the confetti, give us one last, give us one more good night together. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we were good together. So, ga- game five. Yeah. No, game six. Sorry, game, game six. six. Yeah, because it's they switched the game six. You know, if it goes that far, mm-hmm. it'll go that far, right? The Warriors will win one game, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. I, uh, I'm i actually leaning. I th- I think the Raptors are good, but I th- I'm giving a slight edge to the Warriors. Yeah, I think we're, I, I predicted Warriors in six. Some of that is my Oakland bias to mm-hmm. set up exactly what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. But that would be the fitting in. Right? Yeah. That would be, that'll be the proper send-off to Oracle and to the East Bay fan. And it's just to, like, the 40 years that were built there because like it's a big piece of the culture that's going to a different culture like mm-hmm. if we, i know people look at it as city to city it's only 15 minutes it's right across the bridge but it's leaving one culture and going to another there's a and, big difference between cherry hill and camden new jersey yes right <laughs> huge right like huge <laughs> so, right yeah no so question i know what you mean and that's just separated by a bridge yep no that's it. i mean there's a it's a world away even mm-hmm. though it's 15 minutes like, yeah so and you're technically in new jersey so it's like you should be fine but nah, man. No, no man nah man it's a it's a different world of san francisco mm-hmm. and you know we'll we'll see if they can handle a juggernaut like that because mm-hmm. san francisco is a great city with a lot to do and when your teams aren't winning they just stop showing up like All the right. giants were the Mm-hmm. They won three championships. They were top of the world. Now they're trash, and they, the stadium is half full. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had this beautiful ballpark overlooking the water that was so perfect, and now they're like, yeah, we are out. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens when Steph Curry retires? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But for now, in the 2019 finals, you're expecting the Warriors to to triumph over Toronto. Yeah, I'm not picking the Warriors until somebody beats them. <laughs> right? I mean, I've seen them in yeah. every situation. I've seen them in the last five years. They somehow come out on top. The one time they didn't was in 2016. And it took the most Herculean effort from arguably the greatest player of all time. But it was also Draymond's suspension. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It, took, like, it was all kind of uh, yeah. stuff. Andre Iguodala's back got, goes out. Bogut is hurt. He's yeah. out. I mean, it's just all kind of stuff. Steph yeah. was playing on, you know, less than – 
but he, I mean, he just was unhealthy. There's no other way to put it. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just a lot had to yeah, happen for yes. them to lose. So I expect that team. Now they are older. Mm-hmm. They're not as deep. Mm-hmm. They have played a lot this postseason. They could be tired. So there's there's some vulnerability there, but it like it's gonna be hard to eliminate the Warriors. Just ask the Rockets who yes. had them on the brink twice. Mm-hmm. It's hard to knock out any team, especially mm-hmm. a champion. Like, that's another level. Yeah. So the Rockets are going to, even as great as they are, they, I'm sorry, the Raptors, as great as they are, they're going to have to go up another level to finish them. Houston didn't have the other level. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be tough for them to do that. Kyle Lowry's hand is practically useless. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I think, too, the one of the one of the deficiencies with the Raptors is that they're not always consistent. Yeah. Night by night, whereas the Warriors are you kind saying of saying Siakam is not going to hit fourteen to seventeen every game for thirty points. Thirty. I would like to believe that, but yeah, no, I <laughs> know. Um, and he in another year or two, he's going to be fantastic. He's fantastic now, but right. he's going to be a star. Yeah, like, but uh, I think, and I think that's where the this this finals is going to be. It's like the Warriors are kind of like the neat freaks, really efficient, really strong, and then the Raptors are a little bit of like a messy room kind of thing. You know what I mean? So it'll be like messy room versus like neat freaks, and uh. I think. Neat freaks tend to like win out just because of the efficiency. That's a good way to put it. Good All right, it. we got to end it there then. So thank you, Marcus, for hanging out uh, during the finals. I know it's a busy time. You're writing about the Warriors and uh, you're writing about KD, who will hopefully be back for the finals. The book is out now. Kevin Durant's relentless pursuit to be the greatest. Thank you for hanging out and talking about. It. We covered a lot. You set me straight on. Uh, Don't call it San Fran. You taught me about the uh, the Bay Area. And uh, we talked about KD and his... uh, Good conversation we had. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. So thank you. Yo, that was fresh. My name is Sam Yunin. This has been My Summer Layer. You can follow me on the Twitter and on Instagram and on the Facebook. All of them are at my pal Sammy. Let me know if you have any basketball opinions or insights. Takes a village to raise a basketball narrative. As always, I'm always grateful that you took some time and uh, you pushed play and you've lasted to the end. I wish it was like a way to kind of give you a digital high five or something. Anyways, thank you for listening. That's it.